Hi everyone, my name is Talia Smith. I am the curator for the 2020 iteration of the Churchy Emerging Art Prize. With me today for this chat, I have Sydney-based artist Jess Bradford, whose practice examines the way in which we reckon with cultural heritages and identities. Thank you for joining me, Jess. Could you start by talking about your work that is in the Churchy exhibition? Yeah, um, so I have an installation. It's called An Image of a Tiger, and it's actually uh, in, it, in some ways an iterative work. Um, and it's got lots of different components. So I'll kind of start off with the smallest component, which are uh, miniature paintings. Um, they are paintings I've done on sheet metal. Um, and they are two scale reproductions of photographs. Um, and those are sat within kind of these, I would say, blobby, rocky ceramic mounts. Um, and there are a few individual um, ceramic pieces uh, of their own blobby, rocky nature. And uh, all of these sit um, on a wooden installation. Um, and, and basically all of them reference a one park in Singapore called Hopa Villa. Great. Um, speaking about that park, if you could talk more about that, I'm like super interested in that park. It reminds me of like when you go, like we have a, we used to have a lot of these centers. There was this woman called Suzanne Paul. I don't know if you ever had her over here, but she's uh, one of those like infomercial type people. And she decided to run a um, indigenous New Zealand like experience center. You know, and it's, it's really interesting where, like, your culture um, gets then, like, filtered, 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 filtered into these, like, weird stereotypes, really basic signifiers of what your culture is. Like, so this, this idea of this garden, just, if you could tell me more, it sounds crazy. Look, this garden is so weird. And, like, it's, it's weird in a way as well. Some people ask me about my practice, and I'll end up just talking their ear off about like how much I love this place. Cause it's so strange. So basically, hopefully, have you heard of Tiger Bomb? Yes. You know the ointment? So the guys who made Tiger Bomb, filthy rich from Tiger Bomb and lots of other stuff, but um, like, you know, the starting thing was Tiger Bomb and they built this huge cultural park basically in Singapore with that money. And, and like, you know, in the, in the nice philanthropic idea is like, oh, creating something for the people. Um, like a lot of people who bought Tiger Bomb were kind of like laborers and stuff. So it's, it, they made it like a highly visual space and not so much like a scholarly space uh, or a religious space. Um, and then like the other aspect to it is just like, it was this giant marketing ploy basically to just sell more Tiger Bomb. And, um, at first it started off as just like a few sculptures based on Chinese mythology and Chinese culture. Um, because at the time, really funnily enough, um, in Singapore, um, where the park is, is based, uh, the guy was like, Oh, it's getting too cosmopolitan and like, we're losing our Asian culture. So I'm going to build to this huge, um, this huge site so people can kind of see it. So basically it's, it's like a giant storybook that you can walk around. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know it was built in the 1930s and at that period of time like you know cinema hadn't really kicked off yet there mm -hmm. there were not a lot of public spaces so when it was first built it was like, hugely popular um with locals and tourists and 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 it wasn't 
it wasn't a culturally specific space like you didn't have to be Chinese to go there but um I guess it was like it was like him enjoying his own culture and then also in a way like he is this classic rags to riches guy and it was a little bit of a middle finger to all the other rich Chinese there at the time who were who weren't the more like what you expect of the crazy rich Asians it's like they came from better backgrounds they had higher standings of education um and so you know this highly visual space um was his idea of Chinese culture and it was also as a Burmese Chinese um immigrant to Singapore like his kind of stamp um on the space and I think as well it's it's a part of Chinese culture that's not as visible now it's like all the weird folkloric disturbing stuff that you know that gets kind of disneyfied out of, yeah. of what we think of chinese culture like chinese culture like that people like to remember is like high class chinese culture like blue and white porcelain and yeah. fancy teas and stuff so anyway like they did that that was crazy it was really popular um and then like he passed off he passed away and like the family kind of like lost money um, and the Singaporean government bought it in like the 80s. Oh, wow. And I think that's kind of important because this is like post-independence for mm -hmm. Singapore now. And like they're really trying to figure out their own identity, you know, as a new nation. It's a post-colonial mm -hmm. nation. Um, and in a weird way, uh, they were trying to use Hopa Villa as like a Chinese Disneyland. <laughs> so they actually got guys who worked on... Disneyland, like American guys, to come in and be like, we want to get rid of this, uh, you know, this, um, so the name itself, Hopper Villa, actually comes from the names of the guys who build it. Um, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so it was Auburn Hall and Open Paw, and it's like Gentle Leopard, Gentle Tiger. Oh, wow. Yeah, like, there's a lot of weird history to it, so oh. they're like, screw this, we don't want, like, they don't want this to be a park just from this one guy. We're going to just generically make it a Chinese cultural park. Um, so remove anything that has anything to do with him, and we're just going to really focus on, like, how we want to describe Chinese culture and how we, it was part of, I think, definitely, um, one of the many things they did to, like, try and position themselves um, in terms of, like, how you describe that Asian-ness mm -hmm. to, you know, tourists to people mm. coming to Singapore like what is Singapore um how it sits within the region how it sits within uh, you know very compl complicated like multicultural society um and yeah like they took a really long term developing it and when they finally unveiled it as uh Dragon World uh it was like a massive flop like people hated it and uh, I think one of the classic things that makes me really feel um, strongly about it is they um, added a Confucius area and they had an animatronic Confucius. But the, but the guy doing the reading was one of the American, like one of the American Disney, Disney guys. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Disneyland guys. So, uh, you know, you just have to think about like how uh, weird it is like in your case, um, as well as this case, where it's like you have a very white perspective of what, you know, a non-white culture is. Um, mm -hmm. And that gets like ingested and regurgitated out to a mostly non-white audience. 
and like how strange that is. <laughs> um, anyway, and then eventually, you know, it was a bit of a flop. Cinema had taken off by then, like lots of public parks, all this stuff, and you had to pay to go in. People were just like not interested. So they tried mm -hmm. to return back to the original Hopper Villa, um, which is probably uh, the period of time between like it kind of failing is when I started going basically as a child. So it was Hopper Villa, the park in Singapore was on a hill and on the other side of that hill was where I grew up. So oh, right. yeah. we, we went like a lot. It was mm -hmm. like the thing my mom could take me to. Um, and then I like completely forgot about it until I moved back here. And then I like went back home visiting and I was like, Oh my God, this place. Yeah. Is it still around? Still there. Still there. Oh, I have to go. I'm like, oh god, everyone who's just like, who's in Singapore, who goes to Singapore, is, is just like, what should I do there? And I'm like, okay, you can go shopping and eating, but if you have some spare time, <laughs> this is crazy theme park that's just made of sculptures. I don't know, I love it. It's amazing. Like, I definitely have to go there. Um, I guess I want to talk about identity, you know, I, I know that we talk about it a lot here in Australia and New Zealand, you know, it's part of the colonized condition that we have, we, we can't help but not talk about that and mm. it's important to, of course, as well and, you know, I'm someone who's uh, mixed race too but I was not uh, born in my ancestral homelands, you know, and, and I'm also further away from New Zealand as well, so and I know that you actually grew up um, in Singapore or born in, and grew up there. And I wonder, like, with your idea or connections to identity and, and diaspora and things, you know, how you view those, because it, it would be much different to mine, I imagine. Yeah, look, it's, it's really weird. I felt more at home here um, with people like herself who were grappling with those ideas of identity than I did in Singapore. Like there were just no words for it in Singapore. Um, and um, like when I was growing up, I maybe was very conscious of it, but I couldn't put it into words. So I'm half Australian, half Singaporean Chinese. Um, but for majority of my life, and even now, um, people just assume I'm white, um, especially when I was growing up there. So there's like a real kind of divide between um, like sort of like the expat in the local community and so people would always be like oh where are you from and I'd be like here and they'd be like no <laughs> where are you actually from so it's it's really funny to come to Australia and like have majority of my friends who are um, you, you know half or um, like say like uh, um, fully ethnically Chinese um, or they present highly like non-white and but they're from Australia but they get exactly that same question so in a weird way only coming here was I able to sort of start looking and interrogating those questions of identity um whereas there it was it was it was just kind of the norm and I and I wasn't comfortable with it but I couldn't really articulate why or start even start looking into it hmm. yeah that's so, really because Singapore has quite a complicated history, doesn't it? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, I was some sort of surprised that it isn't, or at least your experience of it. You, you know, you didn't feel you could 
talk about that or, or know how to have that conversation, you know, I just think, um, yeah, yeah, it's weird. I think I had like maybe two Eurasian friends my entire childhood. Like, um, mm -hmm. I think it's also weird. I went to an international school, so mm -hmm. everyone was different. And I, I wouldn't say when people were asking me where I was from, it was ever malicious. Like, no. yeah. it wasn't like, I wouldn't even say it's like, a, a, I guess, a microaggression-y, but like, um, it's just curious and I think it comes from the fact that like there are so many people coming in and out of Singapore and there are so many different um you know ethnically different kinds of Singaporeans because Singapore it's like to be Singaporean it's kind of like here it's it's a nationality it's not an ethnicity yeah. so um yeah everyone's everyone's kind of different and so I guess those questions are sort of normal there but um yeah. having to fight all the time to be like no I'm actually from here yeah was just um, a bit hard and I think in general um, we going through an international school like I had a lot of white friends my dad is like very typical Caucasian guy I, we spoke only English at home and I think that really colors uh, an idea of how you uh, integrate and engage with a culture so yeah, so it's it's really funny. Like when I when I came to Sydney, um, and when I talk about you know growing up in Singapore, people always assume I left Singapore at a very young age. And like mm -hmm. the general thing I usually get as well is like, oh, but you speak English so well. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's my only language. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. I can um, imagine, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to, I guess, get to this idea of making and the mediums in your practice. And, you know, you've done video and, and used bamboo and have paintings, obviously. And I was like, what was it about, I guess, mini miniature paintings for this particular project? I don't know. Like... Is that an annoying question? I'm just curious. No, um, it's really weird because it's it's like I started with the miniature paintings. So people mm. like it's it's kind of like that was the first point and then from there it was like kind of went nuts. And I, I guess yeah. to explain the miniature painting, miniature is a bit of a weird word because the works themselves are not miniatures because they're to scale. So they're based on photographs. Mm. Um and I, what I kind of want, basically, is the perception of when you first walk up to them and have a look at them, um, hopefully the painting is so successful that at first you think it is a photograph. Um, it does look a photograph, yes. Yeah. I've seen them. And, and usually you want a little bit of confusion about what is this? You know, mm. how did you make it? And uh, in particular, the sort of imagery that the photographs are documenting it's a bit strange. It's not like, you know, your regular selfies. Um, so there is this kind of immediate confusion when you first see the painting. Um, what is it? Is it a painting? Is it a photograph? Hmm. It can't be a photograph. What's it documenting? If it is a photograph, is it, you know, edited? Is it real? And so um, a lot of that early work is constantly playing with this idea of representation, um, this idea 
of, you know, engaging with something where you are a little bit unsure. And um, it becomes more and more apparent to me, the longer I look at this project, that it is basically just about me. And I think a lot of art is always just about me. It's, it's, it's the same as someone coming up to me and being like, I'm not, I'm not sure, what are you? And really me looking back in the mirror and being as well, like, you know, I'm, I am not sure. Like, um, what does it mean to be Eurasian? Like, what does it mean to be half Chinese? Like, what, what even is that? What is Chinese? What does, what does Chinese-ness look like? What does being Chinese feel like? Um, you know, and even that question is like, well, what's, you know, the different varying degrees of it? What does Singaporean Chinese look like? Um, I think in general, I was always drawn to photographs because they represented a history to me. Um, and it was a history I couldn't access, but at the same time I was connected to. And it's, it's just that constant like play of representation. It is the object, it's not the object. Yeah. It's just showing the thing. It is a connection to something real, but it's, it's not. Um, and that push and pull uh, is just how I constantly feel about um, having a connection to Singaporean Chinese heritage. It's like I am and I don't have to explain it. But at the same time, I don't speak the language and I don't really know any of the stories. So walking around Hopper Villa is always this confusion. It's part of my childhood. It feels an incredibly natural space to be in. I love it. It's, it is so weird. But at the same time, I know nothing about the stories there. It's yeah. just kind of pictures. So everything started with um, collecting the photographs mm -hmm. and um, dealing with that. Like, I want to own this, but I don't. Uh, yeah. And all the photographs I collect are family photographs. So that's also oh, a element of weirdness. Yeah. So the Singaporean, um, I guess you could call them secondhand stores and, and markets, and I collect these. And it's kind of like, you want to be part of that history um, and you feel a connection to it, but it's not yours. So there's, there's always these, these, these things of constantly flipping back and forth. Um, and then from one, that, that one project, kind of everything kind of started exploding outwards. So um, the ceramics were me basically being like, I want to constantly deal with photography. I love photography, I love the confusion of it, you know, all, all that photographic theory stuff, veracity, history, memory, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when you go to the park itself, you cannot deny this amazing kind of physicality of it. Like the, the feeling of being in that space and seeing these weird concrete sculptures and the concrete sculptures are can be incredibly life-size or they can be quite small, but they're all sort of nestled within this faux Chinese grotto mountain that's like really luridly painted. So um, it is literally kind of the frame and the landscape um, and like just the architecture of the park itself. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of knew I wanted to work with it. Uh, and But in a sneaky way, photography comes in there as well. So uh, I'll go to Singapore, I'll photograph the site, and then I come back here and I only work from the photographs to create the ceramics. So okay. when you see the ceramics, um, there, again, there is a confusion there. You're like, is it 3D printed? Looks a bit weird. Has mm. it been slip cast? You know, is it a pre-existing object? Is it based on a real mountain? Or is it based on, you know, is it a marquee? Is it a miniature of something else? Um, there's that confusion there, but you, you see it and it's actually only molded on one side. And then if you were to flip it around, it's, there's nothing there. It's blank. Mm -hmm. It's flat. 
Um, and that's because I can't look on the other side of the photograph when I'm trying to, you know, create the object. So in a, in a small way, you know, the ceramics, again, they're talking about the park. They're talking mm -hmm. about very interesting material histories of the park, about, you know, that, that space replicating, you know, Chinese grottos from uh, Chinese gardens, but also like the way that mountains were painted and ink painting and all that stuff. Um, but at the same time, it's still playing with that like representational joke almost. Mm -hmm. um, and that uh, the way that photographic theory kind of is always, you know, involved in that. 